It's Tuesday, June 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, the editor of the Consumer Goods Bureau, Mark Reith. Hello, sir. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Do you think any of our dozens of listeners are confused that the two people who host this podcast are in here with no other analysts? I won't lie. I'm a little confused. <laughs> uh, it's weird to be on this side of the mic. Here's, here's why I wanted to talk with you. Uh, so, you were out of the office last week mm-hmm. at... The E3 convention, I guess, is... is The trade show, if you will. The trade show, the E3 trade show. And for those unfamiliar, this is a massive video game industry trade show. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 50,000 people were attending. Mm -hmm. And this is an industry that we talk about from time to time. And you were there. So I figured let's... Let's get a little on-the-ground reporting. Let's do it. From the guy who was there. Let's start with... The biggest players. We were talking this morning. I said, I think any trade show you go to, any industry, you're always going to have big players there. Right. Everyone's got a booth. Some booths are bigger than others. And I'm assuming that Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, who else? Who were the biggest players at this? Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony are always the big players. As you said, they're the console makers. So everyone has to has to bow down to them to a certain extent. Uh, a lot of the publicly traded companies had their, their big booths, so Activision, EA, Take-Two, Ubisoft. One of the bigger booths that I was surprised to see was so large and so popular was for Oculus, uh, the, the company that was recently acquired by Facebook. They had lines around the booth the entire show. It was, it was a very popular spot. So, yeah, all the big companies had their big booths, and then those are, those are kind of in the center of the showroom floors. Uh, and then around the perimeter, you'll have the smaller developers, game developers. You'll have Twitch and IGN and the companies that report on gaming. Um, so it was, it was it was my first year, and it was just the scope of it blew me away. You mentioned they're the console makers, so everyone has to bow down. But mm-hmm. I saw one report that said Microsoft, when they did their presentation, there was no talk of hardware. It was they no. were very focused on the software. So last year, Microsoft and Sony. Had, had premiered their new consoles. Sony has the PS4, Microsoft has the Xbox One, and last year was the big hardware show. That, that was their chance to show off the new consoles before the holiday season hit, and Microsoft shot itself in the foot right from the get-go. They just Gamers hated what they had to say. They hated that the price tag was $100 more expensive than the PS4. They hated that the Xbox One needed to be connected to the internet constantly. There's no backwards compatibility. Hated it. So Microsoft very smartly just avoided all of that this year and talked about the games. They said straight up at the beginning of the conference, their press conference, we want to talk about games. It's about the gamers. We're going to refocus on games. They had to do it to a certain extent, and, and it came off pretty good. Uh, people seemed pretty receptive to uh, the games that they presented, uh, but it was very much a backtracking from last year when it was all hardware and back to basics, back to games, back to the software. Was there? You interviewed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Was there a common theme that you were hearing, whether it was from people you interviewed or people you interacted with? Was there whether it's a particular game or a topic, a trend? What what was the to the extent that there was buzz at the E three? What was it about? Uh, the biggest buzz was probably, like I said, Oculus. Oculus and Sony has their response to Oculus. It's called Project Morpheus. Um, both of them are virtual reality uh, gaming platforms. Oculus is probably a little closer to uh, a release to the wider public, but still, they still just had uh, development kits at the show, and those cost about $1,500. So they're still not there yet, but people are really eager to try both of those out. I, 
unless you're a developer, you've never had a chance to get your hands on one of these things. And I tried the Oculus a while back, and I tried Project Morpheus this year, and both were pretty impressive. It, it was I was not surprised that those were the buzzwords. Everyone was very, very impressed. And we had, at our annual meeting mm-hmm. in early May, we had the Oculus, the Oculus yeah. there. And for people who are unfamiliar with this, and I'm not a video game person, mm-hmm. But I was blown away by this, and this was this was more than Google Glasses or something like that. This was essentially ski goggles strapped around your head, right. and the virtual reality that you are thrust into is so lifelike, incredible, to the point where it was amazing to use it. Mm. It was also pretty amazing once I took them off to watch other people use them and hope that maybe someone walks into a wall because it was that sort of thing going on. Oh, yeah. You, you lose yourself in those worlds, uh, and it's incredible. So this isn't the first attempt that gaming companies have made to dive into virtual reality. It's probably the best and most serious one, that's for sure. And again, you could tell by the games that they presented for the Project Morpheus and for Oculus. Project Morpheus, my favorite one, was you were a knight training at a castle, and you had a sword in one hand and a shield in the other, and you could beat up like a dummy, a wooden dummy at the castle, but then you could drop the sword and start punching the wooden dummy, and you'd see your hands come (laughs) up on screen. And then you could take the wooden dummy's arm off of the dummy and hit it with its own arm. It's just, it's, that's just a small example of how far, you never could have done that back in the day. It's, It's incredible what these companies have been able to do, and again, it's no wonder there's so much buzz about both. Was there any discussion of the stocks that these companies are attached to. I've made the point before about Activision Blizzard. For a company that makes headlines every time it releases a game, mm-hmm. a, you know, and we're talking about games, the franchises of which rival the most successful movie franchises in terms of, quote-unquote, box office dollars. Absolutely. Activision Blizzard as a stock is not lighting the world on fire. I don't, I don't mean to pick on them, no, no. but I'm just curious, was there any discussion of, yeah, all of this is great, but it ain't really enough to get people interested in the stock? Right. So there are probably two companies. Uh, the show is about gaming, but you had to talk a bit about the companies behind the games for at least two uh, games. One is Destiny, which is Activision's new IP. They've spent about... This was announced at their uh, last earnings call. They've spent, or will plan to spend, about $500 million on Destiny in terms of research development, in terms of marketing. Just That's an enormous bet. For a company, Activision, don't get me wrong, it's a very strong company. They have a great pipeline of games. But that's a huge bet on a completely new IP. We don't know if it's going to be a success or a failure. I got to play it a little bit. I think it's going to be a success. But $500 million to break even? To bring it back to the movies for a second, Mm. if we were talking about a movie having that kind of the budget. Well, but, I mean, that's the thing, right? At at some point, movies become so expensive through their production, through their marketing costs, etc., that that becomes a burden on the actual film itself and I'm yes I'm thinking primarily of John Carter. Ha, nice. Yeah, that's that's a good good reference and an apt one. I, again, Destiny Activision is strong enough that if Destiny flops, the company is not going to just sink. It'll still be okay. It'll still be a good company. But man, 500 million dollars on 
a game that very few people have played on a game that it's from a studio of a successful studio the makers of halo uh but this is their first non-halo game so we don't know how they're going to translate into a non-halo universe it's just it's it's a big bet on an unproven product and that's 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 always a risk what was the other company the other company has to be nintendo uh it's just its most recent console is the wii u uh, it actually was released a year before the Microsoft Xbox One and the Sony PlayStation 4, and you would think that that would give it a, a head start in terms of sales. It has yet to outsell the old Wii. It has just been Ooh. awful. Uh, and so a, a lot of the conversation that I heard around the showroom floor is, sure, look at the cool new products from Nintendo. Look at Super Smash Brothers. Look at uh, Amiibo, which is their answer to Skylanders and Disney Infinity. But man, is that enough to say to the company? And Honestly, I don't know about that. And Nintendo, they're doing okay right now with uh, the sales of Mario Kart 8. It's their most recent big release. Uh, it's doing pretty well. It's boosting sales of the Wii U. Is that enough to sustain them until the holidays when they start uh, producing the Amiibos and that starts hitting shelves? I don't know. So a lot of the conversation was, man, poor Nintendo. What happened there? <laughs> yeah, you know? they they really had the zeitgeist in the industry for a while there. Yeah. And, and now they're trailing. Matt Argersinger, our colleague, went out to Las Vegas at the beginning of the year for the Consumer Electronics Show. One of the things that struck him when he was there was the vast number of 3D printing companies. Mm -hmm. Or I should say companies that are trying to make it in the 3D industry, 3D printing industry. And Matty walked away from that thinking, gosh, a lot of these are going to be gone because the industry itself is not going to be able to sustain this many companies. Mm. Did you see anything along those lines? Did you see everyone's trying to make a bet on X, and there's no way they're all going to succeed? And yes, some of them might get acquired, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, but there's no way the ocean is going to sustain all these fish. I don't think so. So, like we said, the big buzz was around the VR, the virtual reality stuff. Oculus just made a big payday with getting getting acquired by Facebook, and Sony's got a lot of cash in the bank. Those are the big companies that are going to do virtual reality right, and no one's really going to compete with them. And so you're not going to see small developers with virtual reality. I think I saw one at the show. Um, the, the thing about gaming is that there are such low barriers to entry, and we've seen this in the last couple of years with mobile gaming and how one or two guys can create an app like Angry Birds or what have Flappy Bird or some other iteration of a bird game, and it'll just blow up, and that's how they make their millions. The low barriers to entry mean that it's such a big ocean and so many small fish out there, I don't think they're going to be eating each other. I think I think there's room in the industry for the big guys to do their thing, make the big destiny, the $500 million bets, make the virtual reality and do it right, use your money there, and the little guys out on the outskirts to create something occasionally interesting. I think it's a big enough, wide enough industry. It's not like 3D printing in that regard. Everyone kind of has the opportunity to do their own thing. It's not everyone competing for the same market, I suppose. It also seems like part of it is that they're not competing for the same video screen, right? right? So the halos of the world, the destinies of the world, that's really more for the flat screen on your wall, Mm -hmm. whereas the Angry Birds, you have all these other games that are really more for tablets or just your smartphone. Right, absolutely. Uh, And again, you'll see we've, one of the big trends in gaming, one of the, the headlines everyone loves to write is this the end of gaming? Has mobile gaming taken over video games forever? No, you're right. The people who develop 
Angry Birds apps, they're not going to develop an Angry Birds game for the consoles. It's That's not going to translate, and that's okay. You are allowed to take both tablets and smartphones, and you're also allowed to have your TVs. Now, the big companies like EA and Activision, those big developers, they have dabbled in the, the digital gaming, the, the, the mobile gaming. They, and to EA's credit, I think they've been doing it the best. I, I believe digital revenue made up about 60% of their revenue this, uh, this past quarter, which is a, not a small number. A lot of that came from uh, add-ons to their console games, sure, but there also was an element of these smaller developers that they've eaten up over the years and that are doing pretty well for, the, 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 like you said, the smartphones, the tablets, the computer games. Two questions, and then I'll let you get out of here. Mm-hmm. What surprised you the most? What surprised me the most? Uh, what surprised me the most is probably the scope of this show. Uh, people, I've read the reports, I've seen the pictures. This is my first year, like I said. And people, especially investors, kind of uh, dismiss video gaming to a certain extent. It's still very much a, a niche in, in a lot of investors' minds. But man, it's a pretty big niche. It's a it's getting bigger too. When you're when you're making five hundred million dollar bets on games, when you're bringing fifty thousand people to a three day trade show, when you just the the scope and the scale and the size of this thing, it blew me away. And I don't think a lot of investors realize that. I don't think a lot of people realize that. They see they think video games and they think uh, nerds. They think uh, (laughs) arcades from the eighties and and Attack of the Nerds and Revenge of the Nerds. That's not how it is anymore. Everybody's playing games on their smartphones. Everybody's playing games on their tablets. And a lot of people are playing more and more often on their TVs. And Xbox One, PS4 sales have been doing pretty well. That's an indication of that. So I, it just blew me away how big this thing was. Final question. What is your go-to game? I have to believe you have something that, whether it's with friends or end of a long day, and you just say, I just need to unplug for I'm going to relax with this. What's your go-to game? You know what? You, you can't dismiss the pleasures of diving into Grand Theft Auto and blowing things up <laughs> and just causing some mayhem, causing some chaos. Like you said, yeah, at the end of a long day, you, you pull up in a, a footrest, and you draw yourself a nice whiskey, and you settle down in front of the, the big screen and TV. And you get behind the wheel of your virtual car. And just run over virtual pedestrians. Uh, no, that Grand Theft Auto is definitely one of the classics. And when we're here at the office, man, people here love their Halo. We, we play Halo more often than you'd think you should at a financial company. But we love to play that game, and I love to play it. For me, it's Plants vs. Zombies. Oh, yeah? I just enjoy just taking out the zombies. Easy. Simple. It's just just uh, pull up the iPad, the original up. version of the game. Nothing too complicated. They got a new one coming out. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with the old one. I'm old. Old school. I'm old and change is scary to right, me. Right, right. So. That's understandable. All right, Mark Lee. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Forward. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.